White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 778. Hey, this is Stan White, and you're listening to the AU Wishbone. There's football changes a happening and a dominating basketball win. And John and I are watching the national championship game. The AU Wishbone is next. From the palatial White Rocket Studios, perhaps you've heard of them in southern Illinois and eastern Virginia. It's the AU Wishbone Podcast, John. How are you tonight here in our national championship broadcast? I'm well, Van. It's exciting to... I think we've done this several years now. We yes. recorded the podcast on a Monday night while the national championship game plays in the background. So Van and I have kind of half an eyeball on that as we talk. But uh, I'm excited to be here because we have a dramatic happenings. We do on have and a lot. off the court to talk about this evening. We do. Well, you know, we to come to think of it, we watched the national championship college football game together and the national championship college basketball game together every Monday every year. That's right. It's 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 not something we plan. It just kind of ends up happening because they do them on Mondays, oddly enough, which is strange. But yeah, so that's right. So here we are. Um, so yeah, we're uh, you call it a simulcast, except that it's a tape delayed simulcast because. While we are recording it live, it will go out later this evening, and then people will be probably listening to it in the morning, and they'll already know how this game turns out. But right now, John and I are very intrigued because there are six, as we record, as we roll our virtual audio tape right now, there are 16 seconds left in the second quarter, and it is 17 to 10. Washington has just scored a, a, a desperately needed touchdown. And they're about to get the ball back with 12 seconds to go, which is pretty funny. You didn't see that coming. And mm-hmm. so they're going to go to halftime only down one score when I really, for a minute there, thought this game was going to be a blowout. All right, so we'll see what Harbaugh does here. With uh, Does he go for it on fourth and three or give Washington a chance to uh, throw it in the end zone maybe on the last play of the game? We'll see. But in any case, uh, let's see. We've got a whole lot of stuff to talk about tonight there's coaching changes in the air there's uh there's basketball goings on in the air there's player movement happening there's a bunch of things but as always we have to start off it's the auburn fun meter it's our weekly look at how much fun it is to be an auburn fan right now on a scale of zero to ten john what are you feeling right now it's tough man it's a as as has happened in recent weeks, it's kind of a mixed bag, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. The basketball win was <sighs> oh. way up there. That was it, it, they had did the chef's kiss thing. It was that. And you know why we won that we, game. You know why we won that game. Because God you know, Arkansas. That's why we won that game. That's right. Yes. So that was huge. But also we've had some, you know, some coaching changes on the football team and some. Mm-hmm. You know, potentially some player turnover and stuff. So we got to talk about that. And so I'm going to say, but the basketball win was really, really, really fun. And that team is hot and they're fun to watch. So I'm going to say I'm a seven and a half. Yeah, I'm about a seven. I think that's right. It is weird that when we hired these two coordinators, uh, Montgomery and uh, Roberts, and of course,
may be, not necessarily, but maybe the last time we play that. There may be one more coming up. But when we hired those two guys, um, there was a lot of talk among the fan base of not loving either one of them, not being the hires of the caliber that some expected. And sure enough, a year later, they're gone. So, you know, I mean, maybe we were right that they weren't, you know, the, the answers, obviously. I don't know about that. Yeah? Hmm. I mean, I think they're, it's different reasons, right? But I yeah. think um, Montgomery was the hiring a experienced head coach, competent person to run the offense on a team with a head coach that wants to run the offense. So this is the, you know, we've seen that song and dance a few times, and it yes. wasn't going to work in the long run. And it clearly, during the course of this year, it didn't seem like it was working great. So, and, and from an academic level, the offense wasn't good, right? I mean, there's other reasons for that, but the coordination of the offense often did not seem wonderful, as we have discussed. And so that yeah. part I get. Um, and Freeze wanting more control over it because that's the thing he's good at, I get. Um, the Roberts thing is different. I mean, I think uh, I think he did okay this year. I think, I've, as we've discussed, I think our defense was fine. It wasn't yeah, awesome. Think. It had its I moments. I think that had that, a lot more to do with – go ahead. Yeah, it had some puzzling moments, but overall I thought it was good. Yeah, I think it was solid, and I think – uh, to me, the a lot of the problems the defense had were talent-based, and they weren't scheme or problems. And I think they adjusted well uh, in games. And, um, you know, but honestly, we played well against some teams that I think had better you know, talent than we had to defend them, but they, it was, they did okay. So that one, you know, I feel a little bit different about just because, I, I mean, someone I feel because I feel like they defense performed better than the offense over the course of the season. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. No, absolutely. I it, it did for sure. So all right, well we'll have more to say about that coming up, but that's yeah, so we're about a in the seven, seven and a half range. I think that sounds about right. Um we've gotta point out before we get into the real news that there was some pretty cool things that happened this week. Um Auburn's marching band competed in the Metallica um, band challenge thing where bands all over the country, high school and college, did show halftime shows based on Metallica. I actually did not um, queue up anything from Metallica to play here, so sorry, I, I don't really have a inner Sandman or anything that I can fire up for you. But um, but they did the double. They won both the college the best college band and the fan vote where fans just said, which one do you like the best? And they won both of them and they won Excellent. close to like a hundred thousand dollars close to it in, uh, in equipment from the sponsors of that. So that's pretty cool. It is cool. And that was the one, that was the home game I got to go to this year, the Ole Miss game. And it was an epic show. That was really impressive. Yeah. They deserved to win because they really, it was a lot of thought and creativity and uh, good design put into that. I saw Metallica play live one time, and that was at Monsters of Rock in Memphis in the Liberty Bowl in the summer of 19, I want to say 87 maybe. Wow. And they were terrible. Their, their, their sound system in that big football stadium was just, it sounded like somebody rattling pie pans for 45 minutes. You know, it just was, it was just very tinny, very too much treble, not enough bass or anything. So of the five bands that played that day, and that was a killer lineup. We saw Kingdom Come, who's a Led Zeppelin clone, Dokken when they were at their height, 
Metallica was the middle act. Scorpions was the next to last, and then Van Halen with Sammy Hagar. So that was that was an awesome lineup, and Metallica was far and away the worst sounding. I was not impressed, but uh, but um, but they do have some classic songs and a spot in music history. So that was pretty cool. Not who I would have thought Auburn's band would have done a thing on, but that's who did it. So um, so good for them. Congrats to them. I had to mention this too because I thought this was funny before we get into the real nitty gritty of the show. So I've mentioned before that one of my colleagues at the college, and this was our faculty, big faculty meeting day. So I was joking around with him, one of my friends between meetings. He's a big Kentucky guy. And so we have a good time talking SEC and people around us have no clue what we're talking about. And he was pointing out, I thought this was pretty funny, that Missouri, he was saying Missouri still does a, has a big wrestling program because they were in the Big Eight, and the Big Eight was big on wrestling. The SEC doesn't have wrestling, apparently. So Missouri has to go and compete with other teams outside of the SEC in wrestling. And when he said that, I was like, well, A, I didn't realize that that happened or that the SEC didn't have a wrestling program. And then I said, oh, my gosh, I'm imagining the SEC wrestling conference, you know, program, and it wouldn't be much different to me from the WWE or the World Championship Wrestling or whatever. I'm just imagining like, you know, Alabama and Auburn or Georgia, whoever comes to, comes into the arena and the crowd's just like going crazy and throwing stuff and, and whoever the Auburn guy goes, whether you like it or not, learn to love it because it's the best thing going today. That's what you'd hear. The SEC wrestling program would would be like, let me tell you something, boy. We're coming to Jordan here. Woo! Yeah. That would totally be like it. Two by fours, folding chairs. Ah, oh. we already do the Iron Sheik on this show. We do. We do. I know. I um. I'm not going to do it right now. I need my voice for the rest of the show. That takes a lot out of me. Do, doing doing the the Iron Shake and Nikolai Volkov, it does a lot. It does me damage. It's, I've I've taken years off my vocal cords because of the Iron Shake and Nikolai Volkov. Van's le- Van is leaving it all here on the podcast. <laughs> Maybe we'll cut. We'll circle back around. We'll circle back around to the. Uh, to the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov a little bit later, maybe. All right. So um, I just, I found that sound clip. I got to play it again because it was so good. Whether you like it or not, we're love it because it's the best thing going, going to today. Day. Woo! Oh, I love it. Oh, Ric Flair. The nature boy. I'm the nature boy. All right. So in football news... Yeah, not so much. Philip Montgomery is out. The field marshal has been relieved of command. And with that, Van, I think we need to have a moment of silence for the field marshal soundboard (sighs) clip on the AU Wishbone soundboard. Should I just go ahead and delete it off the soundboard? You delete it while we have our moment of silence. All right, here it goes. I got to play it one more. I love this piece of music so much. I'm going to play it one more time, then I'm going to delete it. goes all right delete are you sure you will not be able to undo it yes boom i now have a blank spot in fact 
I'm going to take a picture of it. I'm taking a picture of the blank spot and in real time, here it goes. I'm tweeting out and let me tag you. There we go. And then we'll let people figure out what just happened in real time. All right, so tell us about Philip Montgomery. I know he had a three-year contract, so he's going to get paid. He's the only one that had that. And uh, what and do you think? He's, and he's the only one that did not have an offset, which means if he goes to, if other coaches go to work somewhere else, it's the net of what they get paid versus what Auburn is going to pay them. Yeah. And if they get paid more somewhere else, we owe them nothing. Montgomery is going to get his money even if he goes and makes $5 million next year. So we're, we're writing that check. Um, I... You know, I get, when he came in, I guess especially with the focus of freeze on the recruiting, it made a lot of sense to have a veteran. Mm-hmm. Yes, coach. it did. And they were both kind of spread guys with a similar view of the world and offense. But and I don't think they had like personality clashes where like freeze was grabbing the steering wheel or whatever. I think some of it was like, uh, you know, freeze was just unhappy with the results or whatever and felt like he could do better. I think that was a piece of it. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I think on and, paper it made perfect sense. You're right. Yes. And so in that sense, like, it was inevitable. We've seen this before. Offensive coach wants to control the offense and, the you know, didn't feel like the, the coordinator was doing, you know, as well as he could do. Um, and so he's gone, and, and in some ways I think it was inevitable, right? So, I mean, I think Freeze was going to, at some point in the program, Arc was going to grab the steering wheel. And he's grabbing yeah. the steering wheel, I think, out yeah. on the offense. And so I think the real question is, where do we go from here? And I think there's kind of – there's three categories, right? There's like a absolute freeze kind of guide that's going to do, you know, just be like offensive coordinator in name only, but it's Rhett, really freeze. The Rhett Lashley or move. Gonna, or it's going to be someone who is freeze adjacent <laughs> – <laughs> who has the like a, a guy freeze knows who could be an offensive coordinator that maybe they could just work better together, but it will still be mostly his offense. Right? And that's that's the uh, the last year with Arkansas's guy. The I'm trying I'm I'm relating this back to Gus. <laughs> who who's the guy we got from Arkansas that lasted a oh, year? The, was, the guy that went to Clem, the guy that was at Clemson and then Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's the two. That's the two. One's the Rhett Lashley move. The other is the you said you said he's. Freeze adjacent. That guy was Gus adjacent. That's right. So then at the end, Chad Morris is the guy. Chad Morris. Yeah. There's the yeah. There's the Rhett Lashley move, and there's the Chad Morris move, and you got to decide which way. And then oh, and then there's the going back to the well and hiring Mm. a different outside expert guy. So another Philip Montgomery Mm. equivalent, who's you know a big name offensive coach who's available, right? Yeah. I, I'm skeptical that he's going to do the third one. Right? I am too. Yeah. I mean, if it's the first one, he has Kent Austin on staff, the Liberty guy, uh, who was his quarterback coach, uh, the the quarterback coach and offensive coordinator in name and freeze call the plays and stuff. I think that I still think that's probably the most likely. The other guy that's out there is uh, Derek Nix is a guy they talked to before when they hired Montgomery, who. You know, coach has coached uh, wide receivers and running backs at Ole Miss, and was a guy that you know Freeze was interested in before. So I think that's a, I could see that. Um, I I don't think it's gonna. We're not gonna. We're we're definitely not doing the oh let's go see who's out there running some cool scheme that we want to incorporate kind of thing. I don't think no. that's happening. No, I think it's gonna stay pretty close to what they already do. Just maybe more compatible with Freeze or more able to free him up and let him kind of do his thing and not. 
go off in a different direction or yeah, or clash yeah. is the main thing. That's right. I felt like there was more clashing on the staff this year behind the scenes than what they really wanted. And we've talked about how Freeze was not hesitant to throw everybody under the bus when he needed to. He, he was chucking people. It looked like a road warrior, a Mad Max Thunder Road there for a while. Mm-hmm. A little bit of that happened. And, that, you know, I was busy recruiting, but I thought the game plan was crap. You know? So uh, I, it was a little bit of that this year. He was um, like in Morton Joe. They were chucking people out the window and letting them hit the spikes and go under the wheels of the 18-wheeler through the desert. So we'll see. I, again, I think all of this is going to happen very quickly. Within a, I, My feeling is by the time we record next week's podcast, yes. we will have our transfer portal stuff wrapped up and our coaching staff wrapped up. Wow. Wow. Okay. So we're going to get a lot done in the next few days. I think we're going to get a lot done in the next week. All right. Good deal. Because, I mean, the school year starts at Auburn, I think, a week from now, uh, mm-hmm. pretty much. And so if players are going to show up, they got to be in school then. And I think they want to have the staff solidified when they're talking to transfers next weekend. So that's my theory. And then uh, today, Ron Roberts is gone. Mm, uh, went that to surprised Florida. Yeah. It surprised me as well. Again, I I'm not shocked, but also like yeah. the Montgomery news. It's a little bit different how it came out, right? Because the mm. Montgomery news came out Friday, kind of a late Friday news dump. They were letting him go, mm-hmm. and then the Roberts news leaked out today. It's been kind of rumors about him, but they were leaked out today that he was taking a job at Florida as a position coach. Like he's linebackers well, coach. Well, it was it was like grand grand poobah of defensive co-coordinators and linebacker. It was a really strange combination of titles that they've put together for him. Basically, it I think it's a, another one of those. It's not a it's not a demotion demotion. Yes, that's exactly what it was. But this is the thing, right? There, you know, I mean, Auburn clearly was okay with this, right? Oh I mean, yeah, Auburn. I, the Auburn is like, bye. Right. Um, it didn't. Yeah. Uh, nobody, it, it, no one in Auburn is like, well, we we tried to match and uh, he wouldn't take it. No. No. I mean, that's not what no. I think. He was going to, he clearly was going to be let go and felt the writing on the wall and went and found the job. It, it felt like Montgomery didn't find another place to go and Roberts did. Yes. And that's how, because with Montgomery, it came out, yeah, we're letting him go. We appreciate it. And with Roberts, it's like he's going to move on to Gainesville and Greener, be the greener pastures. great poobah of high Lord, Lord Almighty, high of linebackers or something. And here's the other part, though. Like we we had McGriff, and he and Roberts didn't get along, and McGriff was put in the off-field role, as you said. Yes, yes. But if we weren't keeping Roberts, could Why? we have kept McGriff? That's like so if strange. we knew that Roberts was going away, couldn't we have talked to McGriff a couple of weeks ago and said, "Hey, Roberts is going away. We want you to stay." Well, and here's another question: Does Charles Kelly become defensive coordinator and we hire another McGriff rather than another Roberts? So my vote is no. Okay. I, I, again, as I said, I'm glad Kelly's here. He's an excellent recruiter mm-hmm. and he's a solid position coach, I don't want to turn the keys of the whole defense over to him. Okay. I think from a scheme standpoint and from a mid in-game adjustment standpoint, that would be a drop-off from Roberts to him, my opinion. 
it's so funny I, though because a couple of years ago we wanted to turn yeah. the whole defense over to him and he told us no. Yeah, and that but that was like pre Kevin Steele, right? So we're talking about like eight years ago. He was yeah. better at the time and he was a hot name and yes. and I think I mean, since then I, I think he, he's you know, still a good recruiter, but I think he's not regarded as a, a great X's and O's D C or whatever. So Yeah. Um I you know, my this is my theory that the plan has been for some reason they wanted to get rid of Roberts. They brought in Kelly to replace McGriff as a position mm-hmm. coach, at, but they had to name him co-DC to get him. Mm-hmm. And then, then they were going after somebody else to be DC to be the real kind of X's and O's call the defense DC. Mm-hmm. So who, who are you looking at there? I mean, I don't have a clue. I don't know who, where you go. But Gene Chizik's available. <laughs> he is, and he's not <laughs> that bad, honestly. I mean, North Carolina right. apparently thought so, but yeah, he he was not good there. Their defense was imminently torchable. Um, so I mean, I, the honest answer is I'm not sure. Um, you know, I think there's some decent candidates out there, but you know, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know who they're going to go get on defense. I'm still re- I'm dealing with the idea that Alabama has Kevin Steele, but he was there before he was at no. Auburn. Well, are you ready for this? Where I was going to get to this at the end of the show. Kevin Steele just announced his retirement. Oh, wow. During this game. He's hey, Ke- Kevin Steele's available. Yeah, he's retiring, retiring. Yeah. He's not he, could, <laughs> he could turn right around and come to come back to the Plains again. And, well, but also Alabama's in the search for a defensive coordinator now also. So. Oh, God. Well, now, that's, that's, the, that's the news takeaway from what you just said, mm-hmm. is that by Alabama losing him, they're – they're going to be competing with us to get somebody. You don't think they'd look at Charles Kelly, do you? No. I mean, he was on their staff before at, right. as, a, as an assistant. Yeah. I don't think they'll do that. Okay. And they I might. Just, it's possible, but I'm, I just, I'll, I'll be surprised. I just didn't know if we were going to turn right around and lose him because Mama called again, you know. Sure. Ugh. He actually Even though he is, I was going to say, I know <laughs> he's an Auburn guy, but, you know, you know how this profession is. I mean, that doesn't matter. I, I'm um, also... I'm concerned this is not the last staff change. Yeah. Who's left? To, there's, to uh, there's rumors of other staff members. Oh, Cadillac. That's the rumor du jour, yes. Yes. There's rumors out there that he's going to go be an NFL running back coach or something. And there was talk that, um, that Damian Craig might be in the mix to come back since he's not currently employed by A&M. Yeah, he has been a running back coach most of the time. The, I mean, a wide receiver coach most of the time, but we kind of mm. got that covered. He could come in and yeah. be OC and quarterback coach or something. If we he was offense. He was co-offensive coordinator and something when he was there. Wide last receiver time. coach. Yeah, for Gus. Wasn't he? He was for Gus, right? Yeah. Like in the mid, like in the about ten years ago, or no, about eight years ago, nine. Yeah. But it seems like he didn't leave under the best of circumstances, as I can remember. Yes. Didn't go well. And I think there's yeah. been some bitterness bet- between him and Auburn. So yeah. I'll, I'll be, it's possible, but I wouldn't bet a lot of money on that. Yeah, I, oh, I agree. I agree. All right. So um, Keontae Scott is about to push this button. Well, yes, yes. He did push that button, and then he pushed the record scratch button. Twice. Keontae, Keontae Scott did the toe in the transfer portal and then the toe out of the transfer portal. And then he shook it all about. Um, 
That's it. So he he did the you know really scared us the other night. He said he was entering the transfer portal, and I was really concerned because I think he was our most experienced and valuable returning defensive player. And then tonight during this game, he withdrew from the transfer portal. My fellow Americans, our long national nightmare is over. It's weird. I think if he had been. He got injured, remember, in the middle of the season. It's one of the reasons the defense had a little bit of drop-off while he was gone and why he was banged up when he came back. I think if he had been healthy all year, I would have really believed he had gone to the NFL. I think he could have mm. made it, done that. But I think he needed to show them he could stay healthy and make plays. And so, But he said he was coming back you know, and not going to the NFL draft, and then he said he was entering the portal. It was just weird. Yeah, well, hopefully – Maybe he just didn't like Ron Roberts, and when he found out Roberts is gone, he's like, hey, you know, maybe I'll hang around a little bit. We'll see what's going on. Um, like, Let's see. So what else we got? Uh, January 15th. Yeah, that's the NFL deadline for underclassmen. So there's a couple of players who were considering it. We saw actually today our defensive tackle, Rodgers, who transferred from Kentucky, is staying at Auburn. He's not leaving. Justin Rodgers, he's been thinking about going pro. But the other one that's out there is, you know, our big running back that we we're excited about all year. I, I there's, but you know, consideration that Jarquez could have gone pro. Mm. He could stick his toe in the NFL draft. So that's another guy I'm just kind of keeping my eye on. Right. Maybe he tries it. Um, and we, it's one of those things like it'll be a week from today, be the deadline, but we, it'll be midnight or whatever that day. We won't see all the names for a day or two afterwards. So. Uh, that's just something to keep your eye on. You know, don't, you can't. Uh, you want to know when you could sleep well as an Auburn fan, and I'm trying to tell you, it's not going to be for another ten days or so. So we're looking toward January fifteenth or thereabouts. Yeah. yeah. And then we had the period last week when the Liberty quarterback Caden Salter entered the transfer portal, and people immediately were writing stories about him coming to Auburn. <laughs> yeah. And. Um, that he went, that he did not. That he went, just like uh, uh, Scott, he withdrew from the transfer portal. So I was just making a joke about what was your favorite part of the Caden Salter era at Auburn. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was a grand era. It it began and it ended within two seconds of each other. But uh, oh, the times we had, <laughs> the days of wine and roses, the highs and the lows, the peaks and the valleys. And then one second later, it was gone, like it had never happened because it never did. Which like is dust why dust in the wind. It was <laughs> all we are, John. It's dust in the all, wind. All the transfer portal is. All the, yes, that's all it is. That and a Dr Pepper commercial. That's all it is. Is dust in the wind. Did Michigan just intercept Washington? Yes. Oh my god. The second half. Ah, to start the second half, Washington throws a. An interception deep in their own. That's so stupid. I look away for two seconds and Washington screws it up. Oh, he got hit. Yeah, the 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 center's back left foot hit Penix. Oh, got him in the ankle. Right as he was throwing. Right as he was throwing. Here, right. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, oh, that doesn't look good. He, I, mm, that did not look gonna, good at all. He's gonna need some of those good drugs that running back guy. <laughs> he is. He's gonna need some good ones. Um, um, oh, here we go. There it is. Another first down. Michigan tearing it up. Yep. Meanwhile, uh, yes. Auburn got two transfers in today. All right. Um, tell us about them. Oh, hold on. So we got a defensive lineman. Yeah, defensive lineman. Who else? 
the defensive lineman Trill Carter from Texas. Trill? Trill Carter. I T R I L L. Sure he's not from BYU? Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> All right, so and again, I I look at him as one of these big you know, older, experienced defensive tackles like the guys we got from the Big Ten last year from Purdue and Maryland yeah. that come in for a year and be a, a body and yeah. you know, hopefully help Clog make a it few up. plays here and there. That's it. And then we got a tight end from a Maryland named Rico Walker. Okay. From Maryland of all of a, places. Yeah. I didn't play a lot there, but more of a athletic pass catcher type. You know, we okay. lost one tight end in the transfer portal. Um, yes, we did. And uh, we didn't sign a tight end this class or last class, so we need one more tight end on the, on the roster, I think. So. We've got our main guy, but it's good to have you know a few extra bodies to plug in here and there and all that for multiple oh, sets. Yeah. And, and they like Michael Riley Ducker is the younger guy, but again, younger guy is going to be a, maybe a junior next year. So yeah. it's good to get some more people. For sure. Yeah, so we're bringing a few people in. Um, let's see. You had a note here about the defense. Anything we haven't talked about I, already? Was, I, mean, I knew we're going to be a was, couple. When Scott was leaving, I was I wrote this. I was really worried about the defense at that point. And okay. I, he's coming back, so that helps. But still, Roberts is leaving, and Marcus Harris is leaving. Most of the secondary is gone. So mm, we, we got you know we may need to sign another player too in the portal. And then we're still going to have to play some young, talented, but young, inexperienced guys next year and hope they can grow into it quickly. Yeah, we've got to. I mean, and, and we're not like working the portal like we did last year where we're just wholesale trying to build a team, but we, we, need, some, we need some people in. We need some bodies. Yeah, we need some veterans. We, got, we have a lot of talented guys, especially in the secondary. We've got a lot of like four-star signees who uh, like, a lot of people think can play, but you know, you don't want to – you'd like to have some veterans in there to – Keep everybody calm and to be able to come on the field occasionally and make a play. So, the so defense is going to be very different in 2024 than it was in 2023. Mm-hmm. The coaches, coaches are going to be different. The players are going to be different. They are. It's really amazing. It's just a different world in college football now. It used to be you have like two or three years at least of continuity. Now there's no continuity at all, I don't think. Zero. Um, all right. And then finally, I had a note about recruiting that I'd noted a couple of weeks ago and we kind of hadn't mentioned it until now. But it was just astonishing to note the number of – this really tells you where the SEC is compared to everybody else. The, uh, when we look at the, what was signed at the early signing period you know, a few days ago, this is the number of five-star recruits that were signed by each of the, of the major conferences. The Big 12 signed two five-star recruits, period, period. That's as many as Auburn signed, depending on how you count it. The the ACC signed four five star recruits total. The Big Ten, oh, they tripled the Big Twelve. The Big Ten signed six five star recruits, and I guarantee you, three of them are Ohio State and three of them are Michigan. And the SEC, oh, twenty three, twenty three. The other interesting thing I noted was that Auburn's average player ranking in this year's recruiting class was 91.29. That was our average. In our pre our previous coach in his two recruiting classes only signed two players with a higher ranking than this year's average. Mm. In two years, two players with a higher ranking than our average. So that tells you anything about where we were and where we are and where we're going, I think that that tells a lot. So, 
Can I make a comment about the recruiting while we're on this note? Yeah. This is not about Auburn, but this is just about the SEC as a whole, okay? You've heard a lot over the last few weeks. This was Nick Saban's best coaching job ever. He really overcame adversity and coached these guys up to get them to the playoff. That Alabama team in the team composite football rankings was the most talented group of players ever assembled on any roster by in terms of the recruiting rankings. They had 18 five-stars and 56 four-stars on that roster, okay? It hurt the, on the point system they used to evaluate recruitings where they, they took the five and four-stars and add them together and stuff, it's a higher total than any team has ever had. Yes, the concentration of talent, it, it used to be more diverse. They used to be more spread out. It's been concentrated over the last 10 years into like Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and and A&M and schools like that. And Al- the Alabama's continued to get more and more and more talented. And this team was ridiculously talented, but they just didn't have a top five quarterback like they've had the last 10 years. Yep. And so people were like, oh, oh, Nick Saban, he's really coaching them up out there. <laughs> that, that just killed me. Yeah. Oh, I was on the record all across – Twitter and everything running that. Yeah, for sure. That's that's nuts. Um, let's see. We got a little... We got some basketball. Yeah, that's that's a pretty bold statement. You know what I mean? It's, and it's factual. It is factual. We got some Auburn basketball here to talk about. So um, let's start with the game that kind of got off everybody's radar because of what happened after it. But we played Penn. Teller was busy, so it was just Penn by himself. And beat him by 20. It was a kind of a, just kind of a lunch pail, day at the office kind of a win, you know. And those guys, they, they were one of those teams that runs a lot of cuts and backdoor and this kind of stuff. And so, that well, you know, they were, they were hanging in there. They had a couple of guys that could shoot the ball really well. So 88 to 68. The main takeaway from that game was it was our last home non-conference game of the season. We will not play another non-SEC team until the NCAA tournament, right? We've got the whole SEC schedule ahead of us, and then we've got the SEC tournament and our usual one appearance there. Hopefully we'll do better this year. Um, Amen. We either that's under Bruce. We've either done really well in the SEC tournament or lost the first game. It's We're so due, weird. Man. We are due. Yes, as long as we don't get Texas A and M again, which we always seem to get in the first game and lose. Um, but um, here is my question. I, I have it later in the in the notes, but I'll go ahead and ask it while I'm talking about this. How was this our last? I'll, I'll get to where I'm going with this. I know I'm jumping around. How was this our last non-conference game? Don't we usually play like the Big Twelve Challenge or the ACC Challenge or something in the middle of the season? They we they did away with the Big Twelve Challenge, and yeah. we now are in the ACC SEC Challenge, and we already played that game. We played Virginia Tech a few weeks ago. This game yeah. removed. They were earlier, and they're not, so they're no longer a conference break. Right. Uh, there. So this is just straight conference games. And Auburn owns the longest home court non-conference winning streak in college basketball now. Gonzaga lost mm-hmm. a week or so ago to some non-conference team. So Auburn now holds that record. And because we don't play another non-conference game, that record's going to go into next season. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, was one, that was where I was going. That, yeah, we, 
we have not lost a home non-conference game since, I want to say, like 2016 against, was it NC State or somebody? Been a long time. That was forever ago. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. We're not going to lose that record because we don't play another one. When we play in the NCAA tournament, it's not at home. That's right. So we won't even have a chance to have this string broken until sometime in 2025. Well, no, late, no, December. Late 24. November, December this year, yeah. Yeah. But even then, like, because our Neville Arena is so tough, you know, outside of, like, the ACC Challenge where, you know, and we'll probably be on the road this year for that, so it's not going to happen. We might down the road get a Duke or North Carolina or UVA to come to Auburn for one of those games, and that would be really fun. Mm -hmm. But otherwise – Really good teams don't want to come play in Auburn. No. They want to play us at a neutral site or some yeah. tournament or something. Why would they want to come to – yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I went back and reread some of our book where we talked about the arena and everything, and it really is fascinating. There's, a, there's, a, there's several pages in there that we put in there about like how they decided to build the basketball arena, how it's different from most others, what other couple of arenas it was inspired by and tries to be like, how it ticked off ESPN and, and, and CBS or whoever because we designed it the way we did. They were very unhappy about that. And we said, too bad. How, how they, they actually, Auburn officials actually went around to like Atlanta and Birmingham and talked to the donors and said, they said, what would you like, right? And they got that information. But this is what I thought was really fascinating. Auburn administrator people, when they were getting ready to build that arena, went to Auburn's big donors and said, are you willing to give up certain things in order to make the arena better for the game and the players and the students? And they said, yes. So our arena doesn't have some things that others do on purpose for very specific reasons, and it's all in the book. So go to go to Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or go to Barnes & Noble and ask them to get you in a copy of Auburn Basketball from Barkley to Bruce. It's all in there. Or maybe Auburn University Bookstore. Or maybe, maybe so, yeah. Um, we've got something about that coming up in a little bit that we'll talk about, in fact, yeah. Uh, all right, let's see. So then... After the pin game on Tuesday, we then on Saturday, we went to Arkansas and good Lord, we opened up a can of barbecue sauce on the Hoggies. We, we slow smoked them over an open flame for a couple of hours, made them squeal. Biggest win by an opposing team ever at Bud Walton Arena. It was gigantic. That, that building's been there 31 years, and it was the biggest win by an opposing team ever. And you know it had to hurt that it was us. Nolan Richardson is rolling over in his grave, and as far as I know, he's not even dead. He went and buried himself just so he could roll over and then dug himself up again. <laughs> but also, like, I was very worried about this game. Oh, like, yeah. It's Arkansas, it's on the road. It's a very tough place for us to win. They were picked in the top three in the conference. I thought we were. I thought this was a game that I did not think we were going to win, and instead we set the record for visiting yeah. team. And not just that, we held them to fifty-one in their own building. That, and we held them to six made goals in the entire second half. That's the statistic statistic that blows my mind. Mm. They mm. scored six times in the second half because you know if you go back, I watch. There's like a 
there's like a five minute supercut just of Auburn scoring on YouTube that's really fun, and I watched it. And you can watch the score change, and with five minutes to go in the first half. So for the first 15 minutes of the game, it was just close. Arkansas is ahead by two. We're ahead by two. Arkansas is ahead by three or four. We're ahead by two or three. And then in like, in like the last three, like the last three minutes of the first half, we stretched it out to about 10 or 12. Mm-hmm. And then we came out in the second half and just dropped the bomb. We lowered the boom on them in the second half. We. We came out in the first few minutes of the second half and just took it to a broom, kind of started taking over, mm-hmm. and it, then we were just running away with it then. And again, we we nobody dominated. That's one of the things about this team is if they need to go inside and have Broom be a dominant player, he can do that. There have been other games. I don't think he even scored in the first half of this game. I, I, think, I think he, he was did. scoreless the first half. Yeah, Chad Baker Mazzara had like 16 for the game, but he had like 14 in the first half. It's it's like whoever has the hot hand, whoever is, you know, depending on the defense we're facing and the player lineup we're facing, this team finds a way, and it can be it can be it can be the big man down low, it can be the the, the distant shooters, or it can be one of the Chad Baker Mazzara types, kind of in the mid range, just cleaning up the rebounds and putting it back and stuff. That's yeah, that, and we had a lot more rebounds. We. We were shooting ter- – we were like two for 15 at the beginning of this game. And it's we layups. Yes. We've talked about this before that under Bruce, one thing Auburn has always been able to do is when we go on these offensive droughts, we're able to play such good defense that the other team can't take advantage to pull away, right? Yes. We'll go yes, five yes, minutes yes. without scoring a goal, and then when we score, we're down like six instead of – 26, you know what I mean? Whereas when Arkansas went on their drought in this game, we pulled away. That That's a huge thing. The defense in this game was incredibly oppressive. Yes. We put the heat on them. We kept the heat on them. And you saw the frustration in the mm-hmm. early second half from this Arkansas team. They couldn't get into their sets. They couldn't go where they wanted to with the ball. That's right. Every loose ball and every rebound, Auburn was getting it. And they were frustrated. They got one shot. And then they, if they missed it, Auburn got the rebound, and that was it. They yes. got no second-chance points. Mm-mm. Auburn dominated the rebounding, and Auburn shut them down, so they got bad shots and didn't score and was in bad positions to score. All, here's the other one that I think is huge in this game. Bench points, we scored them four in the game. Our bench scored 46. <laughs> well, we don't have a bench. We have 10 starters. That's right. That's what I've that always was, said. It just you know the the five guys that come in off the bench could start for other teams or for it us. Is really, it is really working though the whole five ten starters thing yeah. because these players are selfless and they bought in and they're having fun and we're winning. It's working and it is really dangerous because we were up seven at the half, but I didn't think we'd played that well as you said. We missed mm-hmm. a bunch of shots and stuff, mm-hmm. and we came out of the second half and. We need a term for what Auburn does to teams on defense with this balance and this depth of locking them down and frustrating It's the anaconda. We're doing the anaconda to them. We're wrapping them up. We're tying them down. They can't get they can't get anything going, and we just put the sleeper hold, the anaconda sleeper hold on them, and they're squeeze the life out of them. Yeah. Well, think about it. When we put our backups in, we're putting in Trey Donaldson at the point guard, who some would argue right now is playing better. Than, than Holloway. 
Yes. Um, we're putting in Dylan Cardwell, who, while he doesn't have the offensive repertoire that Broom has, there are things he does maybe even better than Broom. And he's having a great year. And he's having a great year. There's KD Johnson that comes in and is just an absolute spark plug and fires up the team and just plays his butt off on defense. And then there's whoever of the other crowd, I guess maybe Chris Moore or... Chaney Johnson. Chaney Johnson, right. I mean, you know, our second five are fine. They're not a drop-off. They're slightly different, but not that different, you know. But also, they come in and they're going to play the same level of effort and execution on defense and so the other team gets no recovery yeah they can't recover and get their offense going exactly yeah yeah i mean you know you you get you get broom to go sit down and then uh dylan comes in and gets an alley-oop and dunks on you and then blocks a shot and screams at you like a primal scream or whatever. And you're not feeling any better than you did when Broom was in there. You know, you get mm-hmm. you get Aiden Holloway to go sit down and Trey and and Trey Donaldson comes out and hits a three pointer or something. Or or that did you see that crazy shot he hit on Arkansas yeah. where he was like yeah. spinning around 360 in midair and knocked it down from like 12 feet away? I'm just like, get out, stop it, stop it, no. That's crazy. So it really is a fun, fun team to watch. And if you're an Auburn fan and you're not a basketball fan, you, you, you're you just going to have to learn because it's <laughs> it was this way in 19, it was this way in 21 to 22 or whatever, and it's this way now, and it's, which is just these teams that are so fun to watch and to root for. Oh, and we didn't even mention um, Jalen Williams who, again, yeah. is playing like one of the best players on the team. He's, I always thought he and Chris Moore were about equal, but he's taken off and left Chris Moore no, in the he's, dust. He's a great offensive player, and he yeah. just finally is, has the confidence to, to use it, to, mm-hmm. to make stuff happen. And at Broom, you know, between the scoring, the rebounding, the defense, he's playing at all-SEC, all-American kind of level. Like he he's He absolutely is. And then I think, like you said, I think we have – our point guard position between those two players is as good as or better than anybody in the country. Yeah. There's no wet up and they don't turn the ball over. They hustle, they rebound, they play good defense for who they are and, and you know and, and ne- very, very fortunate. And and that's with neither one of them playing a complete point guard game yet, because neither one of them yeah. is taking it to the hoop. I, th- I think that one of them—I don't even remember who it was—but one of them drove to the hoop one time against Arkansas, and I was like jumping up and down off the couch, like we did, <laughs> we did, we took it to the hoop. But they don't do that now. Do they need to? I guess not. They don't really need to, well, but they I, I don't do it. It's, you're right. It's clearly there. Whether they can finish at the hoop, I don't know. But they could definitely drive to the hoop and then dish to pass the ball to somebody else to create a shot by drawing defenders to them. Yeah. That is definitely there the way the spacing is when they're out of the floor. So I think we're going to see more of that as we go. Um, yeah. I, I feel like we need that because um, – because that's the thing that when, when all else fails, you've got to have in like a tournament game where it's do or die, you've got to be able to take it straight and, to the basket and not mess and with And the it. other team is, is standing on the three-point line trying to defend them out there. So if yes. they're going to do that, you got to go buy them and make them pay for it sometimes. Our inside game has been much more getting it to Janai than it is 
taking it to the hoop. Nobody's been taking it to the hoop on the whole team other than him and, and Dylan, the big men. Just like it's much more old fashioned play to a certain degree like that. But but it's there and, and it's it's another weapon we can add as the season goes on, so hopefully. Um, oh, and after the Arkansas game, they pointed out to Musselman, Arkansas's coach, that it was the worst loss in the arena's history. And he said, what, just under me? And they're like, no, no, ever. And he said... Yeah, that's that's a pretty bold statement. You know what I mean? It's, and it's factual. <laughs> one of our one of our <laughs> listeners, I think it was, uh, I think it was Mr. Gaston, uh, that, that I think it was, and if, if it wasn't, I apologize, uh, suggested that we put that one in there. So I went and grabbed it immediately. Pretty that good. Was, that was good. Pretty yeah. good. I like that. Um, and then there was the, the whole factor that playing at Appalachian State, this was mentioned in a column that one of our beat writers wrote this week, that, that, that this was the result of lessons learned by going on the road in the preseason, basically, and losing, but, but learning in the process. It didn't hurt us in the SEC, and we learned. Right, and this is a, that's a kind of game that a lot of other schools aren't going to take, playing at a small, tough, mid-major team with a tough environment. It was their Super Bowl. It was the biggest non-conference game they've had in 20 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And their crowd was up for it, and they yeah. won. Auburn shot terribly. We talked about this. We lost by five and missed a bunch of free throws and stuff and a gazillion three-pointers. But playing in that road environment was important for these players, especially the new guys you know, like Holloway, to see and experience that. And, and understand how they needed to work together and what they needed to do to win and prepare for a road game. I think it was really smart because our first conference game was at Fayetteville to do that. And, yeah, we lost, but it was, like you said, a non-conference game. And now we won an SEC game because we went through that. I really think they're related. And they were saying that, you know, not many teams will go and play in a in a in a in an away game in that kind of an arena. And so it was really kind of a special thing and it was a hu- it was a huge deal to Appalachian State and they rushed the court when they beat us and you know, understandable. But but it's only one of only two losses we have. Remember we lost the very first game against Baylor, who was really good, and we played them tough the whole game. So it's gonna be interesting to see. I had pegged this season at nine and nine in the SEC, but I've immediately uh, I immediately upgraded it to, to ten and Ten and eight, with high, with the ceiling being higher than the floor. Now I'm I'm more willing to go up from there rather than than, right. than down from there. So this is the other part. After since that game, they've done redone all the national computer power rankings, and mm. in those polls, Auburn is ranked between fifth and eighth in the country. Woo! Right now. Woo! Whether you like it or not, learn to love it because it's the best <laughs> thing going. Today. Woo! Auburn basketball, the best thing going today. Uh, that sound clip's going to get used a lot when we talk about Auburn basketball now. There you it go. just is. I, I've got two good ones. It's bold and factual, and woo! You better love it. You better, you're going to learn because you, you got to respect. That, that was the one I wanted from him. You may not like it, but you got to respect it because it's the best thing going today. Woo! That ain't your boy. So, yeah, the War Eagle. Um, all right, let's see. Coming up Tuesday, January 9th, that's tomorrow or today as most of our listeners, I think, based on our, on our, uh, our numbers, um, we are playing at home against the Collie Dogs. Yep, Texas A&M. Uh, they're 
you know, were projected to be a top three or four team in the SEC. They lost their opener, conference opener at home to LSU. Mm. Uh, and they're like nine and five now, something like that. So mm. not a great start for them, but still a really talented, dangerous team. They're a weird team. Yeah, well, they're a weird They're school. a terrible three-point shooting team. But they're a great rebounding team. They give us fits historically. And, and yeah, I think they've kind of given us problems. And sometimes I feel like we can turn some great players. Wade, for them, is a, you know, an all-conference guy. Uh, and they've given us problems the last five years. So, But you know, they can't shoot the three. They want to play inside. In my mind, they're playing right into the hands of Broom. They're also one of the worst teams in the country at getting their shots blocked. Oh, so well, I hate it for them. I, I got bad news for them. They're going up against <laughs> Dylan and Janai. They might, well, they might better be careful because, yeah, it ain't going to get better there. All right. And then Saturday after my birthday, um, we play at home. So we got two home games coming up. That's cool. Against LUS at 6 o'clock Eastern. Oh, the, the A&M game is at 8 Central, 9 Eastern p.m. That's crazy. And LSU on Saturday is at 5 Central, 6 Eastern on the SEC Network. Um, and they're the team that beat A&M. What do we know about LSU, right? I mean... Well, they, they, so it's interesting. They were picked to finish, you know, in the bottom two or three in the conference. And one of the things that's happened is, that, you know, there was this federal court ruling allowing transfers to be immediately eligible, who had, players who had transferred a second time. Mm. And a lot of people were thinking about football when that rule when that ruling came down. But there was a bunch of basketball players who were sitting out this year waiting to be eligible. And as soon as that ruling went into effect, the schools started playing them all because they felt like they was going to be okay. And LSU has a big-time transfer guy who nobody thought was going to play, and so that was kind of baked into their rankings who is playing. And he's a big difference maker for them. And they went down to – you know, College Station and beat them by like 15 points last weekend. So uh, they, you know, were terrible last year. They were one of the worst teams in the league last year, but they, you know, a little bit better this year. But again, uh, it's at home. I feel pretty good about that against yeah. a team that was, you know, even though they're playing well, they were they were picked to finish at the bottom of the league. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think they have as much talent as we do, and we're at home on a Saturday. I feel pretty good about that. Let's get it done. All right, so what is your thought overall on the team right now then? I mean, I, and is it different from where it was just a few days ago? We've moved up to 16th in the AP last I checked. Yes. I, again, I think again, that was a game I thought we were – before the season, I looked at the schedule, I thought we were going to lose the Arkansas game. Absolutely. And so not just to win it but to dominate them makes me think that we can definitely be – you know, we want to be one of the top four teams in the SEC. Mm -hmm. So we get that extra buy at the conference tournament. That's important. So that's what that's kind of where my goal is right now. That's where we should finish the year, I think. But also, you look around and go, we're not playing at Kentucky this year, you know. Right. Uh, we got we got to play at Tuscaloosa, but there aren't that many other super tough road games that we have. Yeah. Do we, so, Tennessee's at, Tennessee's at home. Kentucky's at home. Ten, uh, Kentucky's at home. Tennessee's in Knoxville. So that's okay. the, they're the there best team in the conference. Probably we've got to play up there. There it that's is. That's the one game you'd say like, okay, I'm not sure we're going to win that game. But other than that, yeah, yeah. You know, I it, think I think Florida's pretty good. We got to play them on the road on a Saturday. Yeah, February. we, be we never we never win in yeah. games, but we haven't won in games with well, nothing under Bruce ever. That's right. So those are the two games that I would be most worried about right now. 
Here's your uh, national championship update. It is now 5.03 to go in the third quarter. It's 20-13 to 13 Michigan. I missed a couple of field goals while we were doing the show. But Michigan is backed up on like their own five-yard line now after a punt. So, and a good stuff by the Washington defense. How are you feeling about this game right now? Can Washington – I mean, I know that Michigan's not scoring a ton of points here, but can what? Washington do anything on offense yes. – Washington has explosive big play offense. Yeah, uh, I think they'll be. I think they've taken Michigan's best shot, and I think they can mm. come out and just make a few plays and score pretty quickly. So yeah, third I down think um, it's kind of trended in Washington's direction after looking like Michigan was going to blow them out of the building. It did look like that early. Yes, it did. So, all right, let's see. Um, Ken Palm, you said fifth, net eighth. I don't know what any of those things mean, but it sounds good. What? Let me say this. Net is the power ranking that the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee uses. I like it. Eighth. All right. So right now we're a two seed. Yes. <laughs> Get out of town. I want you to put the word out there that we back up. Understand me? We back up. Woo! That's it. All right. All right. Have I hit all the new set? Yeah, Ric Flair and the boat. Yeah, all right. So we're caught up on those. That's good. Um, you had a note here. What worries you about this team? Do you have anything in mind, or are you just asking the question? I have something in mind. The, before the year, I was worried about rebounding. We didn't rebound well last year. I was worried about rebounding with the size and stuff of this team. But uh, I was worried about, you know, could we play the – could we share the ball with the depth that we have and, and not have any hard feelings and stuff? Well, I think we've overcome that. I think, we, I think we've proven that. Yeah. An, yeah, this team's turned into an excellent rebounding team, too. So, um, you know, I think we're going to have other road games where we don't shoot the ball well. But as you said, we've shown in those games that we will play defense and keep mm-hmm. the game within reach. Yeah, we keep it close until we find our shot or whatever, figure out what works, yeah. And we have enough weapons, of, of diverse weapons, to find something that works. That's it. I mean, who, like, who, who thought Chad Baker Mazzara going for 16 was going to be what worked at Arkansas? You know, nobody had that on their bingo card, but there it mm-hmm. is. That's right. But the next game, it might be Aiden Holloway and Jalen Williams. It could, yeah, yeah. What worries me is that I've called it the chuck and duck, right, which is where – when we start getting frustrated on our offense a little bit, we, we get the ball, the point guard, whoever it is, comes down the court and either just immediately shoots a long three that almost never goes in in those circumstances or passes it to, I don't know, KD, who immediately shoots a three and misses, right? Although i got to say, KD's been shooting a three better this season than he did he last season. Better this season? Yes. But th- when we start doing that, chucking it and just hoping, that's when I – I start losing it because when if we settle down, run the offense, work it inside, get a good shot, that's usually a much higher position, a uh, higher percentage play than just taking the first shot with somebody in your face from five feet behind the three-point circle. That's right. That's what works. And, th- and I think the other thing about this team is they can play fast break up and down the court and attack the basket in the open court, but they can also slow it down and kind of run a traditional offense, work it into broom, and then pass it back out and get open shots. Yeah. All right. Uh, quick update on the book. The only thing we know right now is we were hoping to do a book signing in Auburn on March 9, the day of like the Auburn-Georgia basketball game, I believe. Mm-hmm. But the AU bookstore tells us who are they're great. They're always happy to have us. But they say they told us that 
they're going to be doing some major remodeling and can't really do anything at that at that during March or whatever. So we have a we have a question before us, John, that we can settle off the air. But I'll just go ahead and mention it so people know that we're talking about it. Do we want to try for a different bookstore? Do we want to try a different location in Auburn? Do we want to just do something in Birmingham, maybe, and then go to Auburn and just you know do our thing and not do the signing do the signing in Birmingham or whatever? Well, I, we have several possibilities. It's just unfortunate. Or do we want to try a different date when they might haven't done their remodeling yet? Maybe I don't know if there is another date that we can. That was like a really ideal time, but we'll have to look at it and talk about it. But that's kind of what John and I are wrestling with right now. That's why we don't have something firm for you. We'll be in the in the public's uh, fruit <laughs> the, vegetable section. Fruit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll sign a sign an avocado for you. That's it. Yeah. Oh man. Well, anyway, that's the deal. So, the there won't be an update on the actual release to the general public of the book on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and everything until we know when our first like public signing of the book will be because I think it it's time to that. We want to time it yes. to that. So, yeah. But in the next couple of months, hopefully. Uh, all right, let's see. We've got to thank the patrons and um those are the fine folks that keep our program on the air. They are the folks that went to www.auwishbone.com, www.auwishbone.com. We can't tell you how grateful we are for the ones that did it and do it and continue to do it. We appreciate you guys so much, and we would love to have more of you to do it. So go to www.auwishbone.com and click on the big orange button to become a patron. Uh, you get thanked on the air. You get um, to be part of the bowl pick'em, which John's going to report on in just a minute. Um, you get to do the NCAA tournament brackets that we'll be doing in a couple of months soon on this. Uh, and you also get things like advance notice when books like First Time Only come out and you get to order your autograph copies of that. Um, by the way, that reminds me, I have a new novel that is now finished. I'm so excited. I've been working feverishly on it all fall. Started on, started on it like the beginning of October. Wrote all October, November, December. Finished it yesterday, day before yesterday, yesterday. And it's a, it's a new sci-fi. It's kind of a sci-fi time travel robot. Been on kind of that kick. I did the monster. I did the giant robots and giant monsters novel last, was it year before last? Last year? 2022. Yeah, so year before last. And this year, this past year, I decided to do another kind of comics-based, fun, sci-fi, thriller story called Union. So I'll be announcing more about Union coming up uh, soon. It'll be, they're doing the cover art for it right now, and then it'll be out probably in a few weeks. I'm very excited. Very, very excited. All right. So here are the folks that went to www.auishbone.com and clicked on the big orange uh, button and... Um, and the, they include Samuel Salvatore, who points out to us... Tonight's forecast, a freeze is coming. With pearl white snoo. And Carl Von Drunker, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Dr. Crockham. Logan Chilton says, oh, we do get to play it again. Oh, it's gone. Oh, no. I forgot. Logan had the Montgomery song... There we go. Thank you, John. John to the rescue. 
Uh, Logan, you're going to either have to have John do it every week now or change your <laughs> change your song request because it's gone. Change your song request. Yeah, it's gone. Uh, let's see. Ann Pridgen, Bill Weathers, Bradley Blackman, David WDE, Salmons Esquire, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AU Fan at KSC. Uh, if Carol Shalof... <laughs> I love when Mark does these. Uh, if Carol Shelby would have seen the Alabama fans after the Rose Bowl, he would have said, I don't speak Italian, but he ain't happy. And if he'd seen the Arkansas fans this week, yeah, that's right. Way to go. Matt Flowers. <clears throat> Sorry, I have a lot of frog in my throat. Michael Kirshner. Phil Amthor always points out, No! No! No, I'm devastated. I'm devastated, and they're celebrating right in front of me. This is the worst! This is the worst! No! Ah, so good. Uh, Let's see. Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden. When Carroll led Wyoming to three titles in NCAA 14, you know where to contact me, John Cohen. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We've all got those resumes from NCAA EA Sports. Um, somebody, hey John, somebody asked, uh, how excited are you about the NCAA bas- uh, NCAA foot- college football game coming back? And are the you excited? The for me that is like a nine. Like I, I said, I said I'd be very excited if this was 1995, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not excited I, now. I'm gonna buy it the day it comes out, and I will play it extensively. All right, good deal. I'm not. I will not. But that's cool. I'll just go on YouTube and watch some highlights of some past games and pretend I'm... I'll do like when Mira was little. When Mira and Maddie, when Mira was little, Maddie would be playing a video game, and we would just give Mira the other remote not even plugged in, and she'd be working the controls. It was really great. Um, That lasted about five minutes, then she figured it out. (laughs) Alex Brown... She's no, she's no fool. Auburn Football's Elvis, Ben Bloodworth, Bleeds Orange and Blue, Bob W.D. Salmons, Esquire, a.k.a. 76 Tiger. Who is the sleazy shyster for? Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. Boris says, bring back Guess the Game. Boris, it is brought back. Chad McDowell, Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Daniel Odom, Bobby, uh, Harry Zagger, H-Town Danny, Hugh humiliated again. That's interesting. In home, Hugh. I've started investing in stocks, beef, chicken, and vegetable. One day I hope to be a bullionaire. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Oh. I know. Oh. I know. Oh. Jacob and Robin Fleming, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Lane Middleton, Mickey B. Um, Oh, yeah, let me see. I need to go to the... uh... I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy. Oh, and meanwhile, another fourth down for Washington. They just can't get it going. Can't get it going. No one fights like Gaston. I'll go rhythm and blues. Paul Miles, Rhodesian mudflap. Sounds like a drink on Babylon 5. Give me a Rhodesian mud flap. Rich Reimer. Hold on. I'm glad I didn't do the um, the wrestling thing at the beginning because I'm having a hard enough time with my voice now. Just imagine. Rusty Owens. Uh, must have, may have been Rusty that recommended the Arkansas thing. I always get confused. Is either Mr. Owens and Mr. Gaston always... I get them mixed up sometimes, and I apologize because they're very distinct, uh, great supporters, but sometimes they 
they think alike. Uh, Steve Harlan, Theodore Gary, Todd Robinson, Wade Ward, WD Richie. We need a QB and Happy New Year's. Happy New Year's to you too, WD Richie. Weagle Weagle, Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Winston Body, Auburn Blue. Bama was grabbing face masks like it was a national title from the 1920s. Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger. What Boris did not win. Guess the game. This I mean, did not win the uh, the bowl pick'em. We haven't announced who did win, yep. but it was not Boris. Don't tell him. <laughs> well, believe me, I'm not going to tell him. the The best thing about it, though, was Jared getting salty about Boris getting more attention for winning it than he did. That was just prime Jared. That was so good. Jared gives us so much entertainment on the Twitter and stuff. I love it. That was he was cracking me up. Uh, Brandon Smith, Cato the Barner says, "Fire Hugo Sleeze and Mickey Dean." Charles Mooney, Corey Smyer, David D., David Simpson, Josh Teal, just wait till next year, Kevin Mahan, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Mandy Thompson, Melissa Blackstone, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, and our one-time and anonymous donors, <laughs> Philip Martin, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Stephen Houston, Tim Pittman, Timothy, Tony Perry, Weagle87, Woody the Jag, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. A few more patrons left. Alex Wynn, AU Falling Up, Barles Charkley, Ben Amos, Ben Regis. Can we hire Phillips to be our OC so we'd have Mr. Freeze and the Joker? Oh, Joker Phillips. Oh, I like it. I do like that. Um, I, I, I do that again then. Tonight's forecast, a freeze is coming. There you go. Uh, let's see. And then finally, Chris Como, Chris Braun, Clay Henson, Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Darren Pyle, Elizabeth Donald. We, uh... We gotta get better at celebrating. I am Tiger, Evil HR Director. Uh, oh, I was at the wrong one. Uh, of... Jones Barbecue and Foot Massage! I almost clicked the... Excuse me, did you call number 52? <laughs> did you hear me call number 52? I enjoy that one. Uh, I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jim McCrory, John Otsuki, Joey Miller, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rains always reminds us that the barbecue... You have failed me for the last time. Uh, A.K.A. Auburn Dad for life. Mark Squire, MVP, captivating Kathy Bright. You don't have any friends. Nobody likes you. Who, by the way, Kathy played the... Uh, and so did Auburn Elvis. Played... And Jared. They all played our trivia podcast game, and I don't think anybody did better than us. They did not. I haven't, I haven't heard from anybody yet who did better than we did. So. I, I think Jared said he did as well as you if he answered your questions and mine and added them together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Jared has told me that his answer is always either like Gandalf or Frodo. So that's pretty, you know, you can get a couple that way, so that's not bad. Um, let's see. New York Tiger, Paul Bankson, Rich Hammett, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Spanky. I am at the bottom of this list because... Rock Wilson! Back Hawaii you can, the monkey boy. Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, Steve Bailey, the Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson, Brent Rumble, plus our one-time and anonymous donors. We thank you all. Go to www.auwishbone.com. John the Bowl, pick them. It's a, it's it almost over. It's it, the final one is happening right now. It has come down to this. In the lead currently, Mandy Thompson is 27 to 15. Wow. There are several teams in second place. 
but Mandy took Michigan. There's one team in second place that took Washington, and that's Rich Hammett. So if Washington wins, Rich will win, I believe, Mm -hmm. and if Michigan wins, Mandy will win. Wow. So it's coming right down to the final gun of the very last game. That's awesome. It's going to be exciting. They did great. Where did we end up? Not in the top. (sighs) Yeah. Uh, Van, a very respectable 23 and 19, so just a few games out. And I am on the second page here. I stayed on the first page at least. Well, I'll take that, at least for now. I, I'm 22 and 20, so I'm, I'm a game back. Okay, that's good. That's good. Where's Boris? <sighs> uh, right behind me at 22 and 20. Look at that. <laughs> you and Boris. All right. Where's Jared? There's a little My frowny goodness. face, so he's easy to find. Look for the little frowny face. He's easy the to find. Name of his, his picks pool? It's One sec. guess the game, and then there's like a frowny face. Because it's Jared being salty, even with his name of his pick pool name. Oh, I'm still looking. All right, all right. Oh, it's mean, out there. Meanwhile, he was doing pretty. He was up in the top few oh, for a while. I, no, he's he's with me and Boris. He's okay. actually, he's actually tied with Boris and I. Twenty. You're all together there. Very good. All right, all right. Well. Coming up, we have listener questions and around the SEC. But first, it is time for this week's installment of our weekly occasional list of the biggest miscreants, scofflaws, and ne'er-do-wells in college football and sports. They are the worst coaches in the world. John, I have only a a gold and a silver this week. I'm going to start with the silver. The silver this week goes out to all the sports writers who don't know the difference between a singular and a plural word. Okay, it drives me crazy that they constantly spell line. If there's one lineman, one guy, they'll say lineman. And if there's five of them, they'll say lineman with an A. The plural of man. And I know this is a, a, a breaking news. The plural of man is men. <sighs> but the gold medal this week goes to Arkansas basketball coach Eric Musselman, who famously said when told that he had given up the biggest loss in Bud Walton Arena history, he said... Yeah, that's, that's a pretty bold statement. You know what I mean? It's and it's factual. I do. It, it is. I do know what you mean, kinda. Not a bold statement. It's just a factual statement, and it is factual. And it makes you this week's worst coach in the world. All right, there we go. Uh, let's see. And now we have. I guess the game. It's it's um we're we're back into the flow and let's go ahead and hit it. Bring it on. Hello, Van John, the rest of the AU Wishbone listening audience. This is Jared Albrecht, the art sale artist with Guess the Game 109. Guess the Game 109 is brought to you by Joel Beckham. Let's see what Joel sent in. Third and a little less than a yard. 
This will be on the keeper round right in. There he goes, midfield 40 to the 30 to the 20, 15, 10 foot race five. He scores! Touchdown, Auburn! 67 yards for the freshman. Man, and he started. First of all, he started losing a little bit of gas around the 20-yard line. That looked like a Jason Campbell run right there. <laughs> all right, guys, I will see you in the hint file. All right. The announcers were? Uh, that was Bramblett and Stan White. Which means the period of time is? Uh, 2003 through, what, 19 thereabouts? Okay. And they referenced a Stan White. They referenced a Jason Campbell run. They did. And they it was a freshman, and it was a freshman. like a freshman quarterback running and then running out of gas. So let's review some who are freshman quarterbacks who who had the potential to do that. Bo Nix, Brandon Cox. Um, I don't think Brandon Cox played as a freshman though, did he? Ooh, good catch by Washington. Um, who else? Not Chris Todd. No, um, not Nick Marshall. He wasn't a freshman, and he wouldn't have run out of gas. No. Uh, Kyle Frazier, he plays a freshman. God. <laughs> I mean, I'm just throwing out who I, else played I, I quarterback know. as a freshman between in this time period. I think it, I think it's, I'm thinking Bo Nix. Is there yeah. a Bo Nix play that this reminds you of a game? No. That's the thing. It doesn't remind me. Okay. But I mean, so, he, so, he comes to mind because he would have been a freshman in 19. And I think 19 was, was Rod's last year. I think Rod got, made it through the 19 season because Rod did the final four, remember? Um, yeah, I I have a hard time thinking of any other freshman quarterback because after Cam, we had guys who had been around a couple of years, Nick Marshall, and then um, and uh, Stidham wasn't a freshman. He was a transfer. So that's Nick's the next year. It's got to be Bo Nick's in 19. I don't remember who he ran around the end and for like a long – did he score there? I think was, he did score in the clip. So was, that was that Alabama? Was that Alabama? Could that have been 19 mm-hmm. Alabama? Could have been. Well, uh, all right, let's see what the hint says. Here we are in the hint file. I will get rid of the bleeps, and we will listen to it a second time. We're leaning toward Third and Bo. a little less than a yard. This will be Willis on the keeper round right in. There he goes. Oh, Midfield 40 to the 30 to the 20. 15, 10, foot race five. He scores. Touchdown. 67 yards for the freshman Malik Willis. Man, and he started, first of all, he started losing a little bit of gas around the 20 yard line. That looked like a Jason Campbell run right there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we, we okay, forgot. Okay, gentlemen, I will Willis. see you in the answer file. We forgot, Willis. What year was he a freshman? 18? Okay, so. Did he go up against Bo or did he, or did he go up against uh, Stidham? I, I think, think it was. I think it was Bo. I think it was Bo. I think he was. It was him. And was the, he returning? It was him and the big dude that that we were like that went to Central Florida or whatever, Kentucky. Remember, Gatewood. It was him and Gatewood and Bo, and Bo ended up winning. But was he a returning player at that point, or was he a true freshman at that point? Yeah, so that might have been eighteen. So I mean, could he have come in for a game yeah. when when Stidham was, or as a, as a change of pace in the Gus offense? And I have, and I have, yes, and I have no idea who they were playing, no clue. I mean, I don't have the slightest clue who they're playing. And we didn't got, we got no clues from the from the clip either. No, there were no clues there. I I say we go with like 2018, 
and then Willis, and then we'll see if like if there's 2018 Mississippi State. Yeah, why not? All right, here we go. All right, John Van, if you guys guess that this is Auburn playing Mississippi State in 2017, oh, and you guessed correctly. Oh, no. Well, thank Wait, Joel for sending that in. If you'd like to be oh. like Mr. Beckham, then wow. you can send me a suggestion for Guess the Game. I am at Yard Sale Artist on X and Facebook and Instagram. Or you can email me directly at Jared, that's J-A-R-R-O-D, at theyardsaleartist.com. Until next time, Van, John, War Eagle. Look at Wow. All right. So he was going up against uh, Stidham before Bo came along. Because I know he went up against Bo and then he transferred, right? That was when he went to Liberty. So, yeah. All right. We were off by a year, but you pulled the right. We had everything else right. You pulled it out of your rear end there. That was good. Good job. That was a complete dart throw. (laughs) There's many times on this Guess the Game where we know stuff. And and there's other times when we're just throwing stuff against the wall. And that was one of those. <laughs> that was great. All right. Good deal. Thank you, Jared. So let's see. Um, at this point, the most awkward transition in podcast. Thank you. Order questions to the prime minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone podcast. All right. What's in the old mailbag this week? First one is a listener question from John Ringer. Oh, okay. Interesting. I've heard of him. Do you have a Sabor clip for him? <laughs> I actually do. I'm John Ringer. There you okay. go. So here's the question. 2024 will mark the seventh straight season with a different offensive coordinator for Auburn. Incredible. Please Incredible. rank these seven offensive coordinators. Oh, my God. Which is your favorite? I will read them out. Oh. Name them all, but then I want you to rank them by which one you thought was the best to worst. Okay, you got it. Here, here are the candidates: Chip Lindsey, Kenny Dillingham, oh. Chad Morris, Mike Bobo, Eric Kesaw, and then Will Friend, Philip Montgomery. We're not going to mention Austin Davis, who was here for a week or in the spring or whatever. So, all right, who was the one after Kesaw and before Montgomery? Will Friend was the guy during Carnell's tenure. All right, so Chip Lindsey, Dillingham, Morris, Bobo, Keysaw, Friend, and Montgomery. Yes. Man, that's a rogues gallery right there, isn't it? <laughs> Woo! All right. Um, well, Dillingham's parlayed his stint into being head coach of Arizona State now. He had. I mean, again, I don't want to evaluate them on – I want you to think about while they were at Auburn. Yeah. Who I think did yeah. a good job, not uh, who had potential. Boy. All right, right. Because I'm going to be super clear. Rhett Lashley's the coach at SMU, and he's doing a great job now. So, yeah. Um, all right, I got it. just for in terms of Auburn, I'm going to put Morris on the bottom. Okay. I'm going to put Boris, Boris, Boris. What? Put Morris on the bottom. I'm going to put. Oh God, Keysaw and Will Friend are fifth and sixth. Although that's arguable. Keysaw should be down there with Morris. Um, after that, it really is just a big box of crap. <laughs> How do you sort it out? I mean, Lindsay and Dillingham, I guess, and then Montgomery and then Bobo. I would put Montgomery. I would put Bobo ahead of Montgomery. Yeah, I guess. Um, I didn't. I think he was okay. I mean, I I think I think he was okay. But Bobo uh, was the one that had the play calls that had me drive going crazy. Montgomery didn't do as many things that I was like, what the crap, you know. 
But Bobo was Bobo did stuff that I was just like, "Are you insane?" No, yeah, he did. He would again. He, you know, we threw the ball in the goal line against Penn State and all that kind of right, stuff. Right, that kind of thing. Yes, he, you know, he he oh, also Michigan, Michigan scored. Overall, the offense was good. I thought, and he's. You know, in your future success thing, like he's the offensive coordinator at Georgia and he's doing fine there. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, it's quite a difference when you have the pieces. Yeah. I think Michigan just won the game. Washington can give it up. So yeah. so you would have uh, Dillingham or Lindsay at the top, like if you had to pick one. Right? Probably Lindsay just because at the time he was more experienced and L- L- Dillingham was mainly just there as more of like a quarterback coach, I think, at the time. Yeah. yeah. But that's kind of how I would rank them. That's good. I di- that's fair. I think Friend did good with what he had, but yeah, but yeah, that's a very limited box of that he's what based on what he did. I don't think you can rank him as a great offensive coordinator. I mean, the fact that he took a couple of things we could do well and made one or two game plans out of it is not the same as creating an offense and calling plays and running a good, you know. Not take anything away from him. That's just I don't want to give him stuff he didn't deserve, didn't earn. You know that's fair. And he, and he didn't have to go through the whole season of teams preparing for him right. And stuff, so. Right. That was a good question. Man. That was tough. That's right. tough. Thank you. All right. Next question is from uh, frequent question asker Samuel Salvatore. He yes. says, "Hello guys, the War Eagle. Wasn't that a lot of fun Saturday in Fayetteville? How big was the Appalachian State road game? Now, and we we talked uh, about that. But I wanted to the first part of this question." When was the last Auburn basketball game that was that fun to watch? I know they've had some the last couple of years, but I'd, I'd really have to stop and think for half an hour to come up with like. But I mean, the first thing that comes to mind example. is like that Kansas NCAA tournament game. Oh, I mean, it was the nineteen. It was that, oh, that yes. kind of bloodbath of a game. Yes, and North Carolina until Chuma got hurt. Yes. For sure, yeah. That but that team was just so good, and there were some games that the that the that the Walker Kessler Jabari Smith team earlier in the season entertained us tremendously. Amen. Yeah, but that's a great question too, and it's really hard too. Y'all got some really good hard questions for us tonight, everybody. You and you and uh, Sa- uh, you right. and Mr. Salvatore. Our next question is from Bill Miner, a frequent question asker. He says, "Guys." Not sure if you're as disappointed as I am, but I'm curious about your thoughts. How Freeze is managing the overall team? There are many things that are troubling uh, that I've heard over the year. I know he thinks recruiting is huge early, which I can agree with to a point. But the best recruiting pitch is when you have on-field results and appearances. And when the when when it went south, he put blame on Montgomery. I'm not writing off future success, but I have concerns going forward. And I think we may have. We'd be back at square one sooner rather than later. Am I alone? So I understand, but I still feel good about everything. I we got to hire a good coordinator, so right, we got to go out and yes. get them yes. and turn them into you know turn this opportunity into a step forward and not a step backward. There you go. That's a good way of putting it. All right, and the last question is from Josh Corbett, who says, uh, John Van, I hope you and your families had a great Christmas and New Year. This recruiting cycle is telling me the freeze in the staff believe in building from the high school ranks and not spending a lot of, on NIL and portal players. I don't know if this is good or bad, but I looked at 22 and 23 portal-heavy teams and what their final season records are. Below are those findings, and he sent me an attachment I'll reference in a second. I would be interested in y'all's take on this and if building a team with portal players is sustainable. My question for both of you is, do you think Freeze and the staff are building things correctly with resources on high school recruits over portal recruits? 
Also, if you've you seen the Twitter post uh, about struggles in the portal, do you think these are accurate or some fans overanalyzing portal recruiting? War Eagle and the basketball is looking great. The basketball is good. No, it's those are valid questions too. I mean, I think it's a very legitimate thing to say to ask because we don't know right now. I think we just don't have enough evidence yet to know the best way to proceed. And I mean, the danger to spending all the effort in the high school recruiting is that they could all transfer away after the first year. So yes. then you're going to have to. I mean. I, th- I think that a successful program right now, and they could change all the rules again next year. I think they are going to change some stuff. I heard I heard some reporting that there seems to be the consensus that they want to. Uh, I think it was Pate, Josh Pate, that was saying how he had talked to a bunch of the uh, of football folks uh, at the fi- at the one of the semifinals, and they were all pretty much. He said he called it. They were all in alignment that something needs to change. I think the fans feel that way too, but I think the way it is right now, it has to be a combination of um, of of both recruiting and transfers. You have to. But in my view, you have to get. We have you have to do what Freeze and staff are doing, which is improve the overall talent of the roster to a place where a few key recruits here and there can put you over the top. Right. Yeah. If the if yeah. you don't have the depth and talent on the roster, That's then true. one or two difference makers aren't going to push you over the edge. So I, I think you can season with recruits. You could fill in if you like. Okay, you develop some play. You recruited and developed some players, but that you know you have a weakness at linebacker due to some guys not working out or whatever. You go get some linebackers, but you can't do that every year. I think you know if you have a firm foundation, you can add players around and kind of go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is dangerous that some players are going to work out and some are not. And also, the real danger is you upset the apple cart with your high school recruits and they don't want to stay, and then your foundation crumbles behind it. So I think for this, you know, <clears throat> then we'll be in a place in 25, 26, where we can do high school recruiting and go add kind of the flavor uh, transfer targets to kind of push us over the edge if we need to but you don't want to do it too soon because the reality is this roster just doesn't have the talent to compete with the top teams in the sec that's so, right. and, and adding a few transfer players are not going to do it yeah we've got to we've got to improve the roster continuously the next couple of years from every avenue available all right and that's it for listener questions all right and finally let's take a trip in the automobile let's hop hop aboard Washington is, they finally completed that long pass, but... Let's uh, take a trip around the FTC. They're shooting themselves in the foot again. Ah, just completely overthrew the fullback or the tight end there. How did he... Oh, because he's, he's under pressure. They're pressuring Penix to the point that he can't, he can't do his thing, and that's what they wanted to do. They that's wanted, to, yeah, they wanted to cover everybody and then put pressure on him and make him make mistakes, and then that's why 27 to 13 now. Five minutes to go. So. All right. Uh, a few ran this. You know, LSU fired mostly their whole defensive coaching staff, and this is after losing their Heisman winning quarterback, their receivers, and their offensive coordinator. So they're really kind of starting over coaching staff and roster. Sounds uh, familiar. Ryan Kelly. Yeah. But they're, but they're, you know, their offensive coordinator left for greener pastures. Their quarterback's gone. They're really having some turnover, and, and a lot mm. of the talent – they came in when they won that national title have kind of washed out of the system now. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what happens. They, I believe also they're, um, they 
Didn't they get a commitment from a big player the other day, I think? Yeah, well, a big uh, – the top player in 2025 is a quarterback who's now committed to LSU. But, again, that's a, a player who's a year away from signing and then yeah. will be a freshman that you know in the fall of that year. So it's a, that guy's a ways away, but a, a yeah. future piece to build around, sure. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about old Miss Quinshawn Judkins? Did he is he just looking for more cash? I mean, he's leaving a ship that seems to be floating pretty good right now. That's the if I were Ole Miss, I'd be upset because that's like they're this is they're building everything toward next year, right? The, to yeah, they, I mean they have cleaned up in the portal, and it, but it also may be the kind of thing we just talked about where he was a not a high profile recruit and has had a couple of really good seasons, and he sees these transfer guys get a bunch of money to come in there, and he feels left out. Mm-hmm. Maybe, so yeah. It could, be, it could be that kind of thing. When you're the portal king, you also got to take care of the non-portal players. I, I was just noting mm-hmm. to somebody this afternoon that that Freeze has said, you know, he had to go straight from signing the new class to re-recruiting the current class, which that's is it. And that's too what, bad, but that's how it is. But that's what they've had a lot of spend a lot of time doing is keeping the current roster from entering the portal and leaving. Mm-hmm. So that's. That's not an Auburn thing. That's a college football thing. So, I don't know. Judkins was in Ohio State. I think this apparently. I think he'd be an attractive player for big time programs. And so, um, the other thing is, I think there are some players as human beings who love the recruiting process and the attention it gave them and want yeah. to go through that again. Um, How do you feel about if he came to Auburn? We don't need him, right? We've got running backs, but no. I mean, Batiste left in the portal, so you know. There's an opening, but we, I mean, Judkins is a guy who wants 30 carries a game or a lot of work. I don't, I don't think he wants uh, to be a, you know, share time with other guys and get 10 carries a game. I don't think that's what he's interested in. Right. No, I agree. Washington just uh, they were all over Penix and on fourth and long, and he just chucked it down the field, and they got a pass interference on Michigan. I think Penix got hurt too, but. Uh, he got the fast interference, so they're going to get the first down unless they, uh, unless they wave it off. It's looking like um, they Pat, they, they're, they're just offsetting, offsetting penalties. Fourth down again. Ah, too bad, Washington. And then the other note is that Alabama's wide receiver coach, Holman Wiggins, left and went to Texas A&M, and he was the position coach for, recruiter for Ryan Williams. Woo! That's big, isn't it? That's big. Now, unless he so ends up going to – Unless Ryan Williams ends up going to Texas A&M, then it's not that good. Although, let's be honest, I'd rather have him at Texas A&M than at Alabama. Amen, but I don't think he's going to go there. I think it's going to be Alabama or Auburn. So, just interesting. It is interesting. It's something to keep our eye on. All right, fourth and 13 for Washington. This is probably their last chance to stay in the game. They need a first down or a touchdown here. And they are intercepted. Yep. Wow. Dun-dun. That they... um... He's gonna go. He's gonna go all the way back. Pick six. Oh no, he's not. He's tackled at the seven. Well, they still got four and a half minutes, so they're gonna score. So it's gonna end up looking like a blowout, even though it shouldn't have been. Oh well. Um, and then I was gonna mention around the SEC basketball really quickly that Ole Miss had the last undefeated SEC team. It kind of smoke and mirrors. They hadn't really played anybody that good. They lost at Tennessee, which is like they started. It's unfortunate for Ole Miss with the way they started out their non-conference being so good that their first game was at Tennessee, probably the best team, and so they did lose. And I watched it. I watched a lot of that game mostly just to see Flan 
And he was all right, but I didn't ever see him score. He was out there a lot. He was participating, but he wasn't, you know, like their dominant player. So he I think wasn't the focal point. Though. No, he's gone from being a role player on our team to a role player on their team, and that's fine. Good for him. And and I, and of course, his dad is a great Auburn player as well. And we love them both, so that's fine. So, all right. Any last thoughts before we wrap up for the national championship night? As Michigan's about to punt. Oh, there. Oh, they got a touchdown. There it is. That's. Oh, no, he's down. Here's my thought, Van, as we wrap up the show. It's the end of another college football season. And we tell you every year, you blink and it'll be gone and you'll miss it. And it's the truth. It goes by very fast. And But I appreciate it. I love college football. It's really fun. And it's entertaining. And I try to soak it all in and savor it as much as I can during the season. And now I'm going to be sad that it's gone. I agree. Um, we're going to enjoy the basketball. We're going to enjoy the NCAA tournament brackets and all that. And uh, then it'll be almost time for the barbecue show again. Time just marches on. It does. It just marches on. All right. Hopefully in the next week or two, we'll be able to tell you all a little bit more about, about the book signing, where we're going to be, when, and all that. We're going to find out there when Michigan game's over. All right. Our time is up. Michigan's going to win the national championship. We thank you for yours. War Eagle, John. War Eagle, man. Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.